Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's your girl Cy Brown and welcome to the Cy Brown Morning Show. Today is Tuesday, November 25th, 2014 and it is the day after the verdict that Darren Wilson will not be indicted for the murder of Missouri African-American teen Mike Brown. Facebook was on fire. I had so many comments. I had so many things to share. I had so many things to say. Um, There's just a lot for us to talk about. And when we look at what's going on in this country, it saddens me that things are not getting any better. President Obama came on the air last night and shared his sentiments. And one of my friends posted, you know, President Obama, what are your thoughts? And I have to honestly say his comments, in my opinion, were tepid at best. You know, I understand that he ha- there has to be a level of calm and there has to be a level of peace. But I put a post on Facebook last night that said, Dear Christians, what do we pray for now? You know, black people in this country have been praying and chanting and we shall overcome for years. I am the most... You know, turn your pinky up, let's have a cup of tea, let's do brunch type of gal. But at some point, let's put some boots on the ground and let people know that this is really not, well, I really can't say what I want to say because of the diversity of my listeners because I really want to go in in a profanity-laced rant right now. <sighs> but I'm not. My One of my dearest friends, I would say one of my best friends, Blanche, um, just hit me up uh when I jumped out the shower before I was, when I came out of the gym and was getting ready to prep for the show. And when I came out of the shower, there was a message. She's like, Cy, I know you're upset. Have a good show. And I love her so much for that. Um, but there's a lot to talk about. There's, there's just so much to say. Um, I have a caller from area code 732. Um, caller, are you there? Caller from 732, are you there? Hey, Boogie, I'm just listening. Oh, hey, beautiful. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. That was um, Celeste, who I absolutely love and adore. Um, I'm going to put you back on hold, Celeste. So let me let me get back into um, what I was saying. If you want to call in and you want to talk on the show, um, just hit the number one on your dial, and I'll know to pick up, up your line. We need to start first with a timeline. Let's start with the timeline. When I was prepping for this show, I didn't know – where I should start the timeline. Do I start the timeline with Eric Gardner in Staten Island? Do I start the timeline with Mike Brown in Missouri? Do I start the timeline with Trayvon Martin? Do I go back to Yousef Hawkins? Remember Chub Rock put, remember Yousef Hawkins when you're walking? You know, do I go back even further? Do I go back to Emmett Till? Do I go back to when they bought us, when they dragged us off the boat? In order for us to figure out how to remedy and how to fix this problem and where do we go from here, I always believe we have to go back. We have to start from the beginning and and look where we zigged when we should have zagged. But it's so entrenched in the culture of this country, the blatant disrespect for the lives of black people, black men in particular, 
In particular, I don't even know where to begin. And so we look at what's happening to our youth. We look at what's happening to, to our communities, and it's really mind-boggling. I want to bring in right now Mr. Hassan's Kirby. Good morning, brother. How are you today? Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, we're we're going to talk after the show. I know I owe you a phone call, so I'm so happy that you're coming on the show today. Um, share your story. I mean, we only have 30 minutes to do the show. Share your story very quickly, and I want to get your commentary on what happened in Ferguson and what we're supposed to do. So let everybody know who you are, and we're going to and pick up from there. Okay, my name is H.L. Kirby. I'm the Keeping It One motivational speaker as well as author of the book selling I Am More Than the State Number. Um, I'm I'm gonna just jump right here with you, side because in the book I have wrote a long time ago about stuff like this that happens in our community, and when we see verdicts, we get upset and we get out of place and start doing things. But in the movie of the Miseducation of Sonny Carson, when the little boy had died and they was having a funeral, and the question was, who killed little boy? And they said, we all killed little boy. Right now, we all just killed another one of our teens out here because we are so disconnected as a people. We give these other races and other people to right, the right to do this because they say, you know what, they, they don't care about each other because all they do is kill one another. So you know what, we can get away with this stuff. But, but you know what, I got it. But is it is it not Kirby, Mr. Kirby, the situation of what came first, the chicken or the egg? Because I put on Facebook last night, no wonder our kids don't give a damn because they don't care about us. Like it's like this vicious, well they don't care about us, so now I don't care. And then their position is well they don't care about themselves, so why should I care? Can can I share um with my listeners just a little bit about your about why you wrote your book? Yes, yes, you can. It's okay. Okay. Mr. Kirby, who I who I love to pieces, was incarcerated for what, fifteen years? Yes, fifteen. As a teenager and has come out of the prison system and works to help people with reentry programs and help adults understand what's going on with these teenagers. So his book, I'm More Than a State Number, really has a profound impact because he has seen on both sides how we're treated. And one of the things that drew me to him when we first met is every time I see this man, he is dressed in a suit like head to toe. Y'all know I'm a fit girl with sweats and stuff. But Kirby, tell tell everybody why it's so imp- why you dress the way you do because of the perceptions of you because of your of of your years and being incarcerated. Well, I dress the way I do because if you could change the way people see you when they view you, you could change how people treat you. People got away from dressing. We come from a, we are people who always dress. No matter how far you go back, you'll see little boys in shirts and ties and suit pants. And we got away from that. I dress like that because it gets me into every door I need to go into in order to make an impact. Because no one knows who I am until I open my mouth. But but it, but and the reason I bring up dress is not to make a fashion statement and make this a fashion show, but because that was one of the biggest arguments with Trayvon Martin because he had a hoodie. You know, their argument was, oh, he has a hoodie. If he didn't, Geraldo Rivera famously said, oh, if he didn't have on a hoodie, this would never have happened. We have, there is a systemic problem about the way black men are treated. 
how do we fix this so that cops and whomever, Zimmerman, the Zimmermans of the world, don't feel they could go around shooting our little black boys without any fear of retribution? They put his ass in a, they hit him away before, before they, they came out last night and said that there was going to be an indictment. Like, they knew that this was not the right, this was not the right outcome. How do we move forward from this? By really understanding nothing changes, just the people. This been going on since Emit Till days. Before that so even. This, and before and before, but when you start bringing up the young names, he always pops to mind. Look at what they've been doing. We as a people, we can't expect no one to love us if we don't love ourselves. And we have to get back to that. We can't use that as an excuse no more. Okay, well, since they don't care, I'm not going to care. Because once we start saying that, that's why we got these juveniles out here now like this. It is they don't have any respect, any remorse, or any care about life. Life to them means nothing. And this is what this media keeps showing. Oh, your life is expendable. So, yeah, when you see a young guy angry out here with his pants down or whatever the case may be, yeah, he don't care. He don't care because, you know what, he don't think no one cares about him. And I know this because I was once one of those teens. I didn't care, so I didn't think anyone cared about me. That's why I did the things I did in the community. You can't love yourself and do those type of things. But here's the situation. Now, here with, you know, even when we look at Ferguson, and I, and I have to take it back to Ferguson and this verdict, why do they feel? Now, and one of the things that I saw last night is they kept evoking the name Eric Holder. You know, Eric Holder, you know, is it because he's black? He's the Attorney General of the United States, so because he sanctioned this? then it makes it okay. I heard his name over and over and over last night. Eric Holder reviewed. Eric Holder discussed. Eric Holder and I consulted with each other. So does that make it right? And now that he wasn't indicted on those charges, are possible civil rights char- could possible civil rights violations charges um, be presented? Yes, civil rights um, violations can be presented. But with the Eric Holder thing is, you know what that was. That's a slap in the face to say, we didn't do it. One of your people did this. You know what? I have a couple more. This verdict go. I I have a caller. Hold on one second. Caller from 347-291. You're on the air with Cy Brown. Who's this? Hey, Cy. This is M. Oil. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy you dialed in. Um, NY Oil is definitely a friend to the show. His bio is too long to get into right now. NY, what is going on? What, just talk to me about this mess, please. Like, I need to hear from you. I haven't well, slept you know, in since <laughs> yesterday. Well, you know, let me say this. I think, um, as always, when these sorts of major cases come out, uh, and everyone is sort of riveted to their seats to see some sort of uh, justice uh, be served or see uh, the right thing be done, uh, we always find ourselves hurt at the end because we are looking at another instance where we feel as though black lives don't matter, uh, that, you know, you feel the sting and the realization and the remembrance that, you know, we're descendants of slaves in this country and that there will never be actual real equity for us. There will always be inequity. But what I do want to say to your listeners, to you, and to all my friends out there listening, 
Black lives do matter. We are important. We are special. As they say, we who are darker than brown have survived for so many years in the face of so many tragedy and struggle. We have survived slavery. We have survived Jim Crow and all the other things that they threw at us only to thrive and strive in this society. But what I want to say to people is times like this is not about your reaction. It's not about your response. It's not about the times like this. And that's the problem. Right now, everybody feels a certain way about what they've experienced and what they've seen, and everybody wants to react to what they've experienced and seen right now. I can't concern myself. Let me phrase this delicately now. I don't mean it to sound the wrong way, but I can't be overly caught up in Mike Brown because Mike Brown has already passed. And why? Speak up a little bit more. Speak up a little louder. Sure, sure. I'm sorry. That's okay. I have to concern myself, not with Mike Brown, because Mike Brown has already passed. I have to concern myself with Jamal Johnson or uh, Terry uh, Dinkins or, you know, names that you don't know that have not passed yet, that have yet to come. See, what I'm just suggesting to us right now is that if you're angry, if you're frustrated, confused, hurt, and what I'm suggesting to you is that to take that anger and focus it on a consistent, committed goal of black greatness. See, that's what our revolution has to be. We have to revolt. But we have to revolt against the things that have been consistently keeping us blind, deaf, and dumb, keeping us ignorant, the lies that we tell ourselves, the lies that we tell our children to allow us to be weak in this country, weak in this world. We have to get strong, and we have to get strong on a long-term effort. That goes from changing our values, you know, some of our moral compasses have to be adjusted, the things we believe in have to change, the way that we approach things, our point of view, our paradigm has to begin to change, and it has to begin with each other. We have to decide ourselves that this is what we're going to do. So I'm saying let's have a revolution for black fathers. Let's have a revolution in that. That and alone is going to make a big change. Let's have a revolution for strong black mothers and black families. Let's have a revolution for education, self-educating our children along with this public school system or whatever it is that you can do, whatever's within your means. A revolution of mentors, you know, a revolution of fit and healthy families, a revolution of strong economic families, business-building families, uh, uh, and individuals, you know, uh, supporting businesses, you know, uh, cooperating without conformity, and in some times conforming. These are the revolutions we need. I know people are angry and stuff like this don't sound like what you want to hear because you want to, you know, you want to beat your chest and go silverback on everything and go crazy. I feel you. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel you. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad. You're supposed to be angry right now. You're supposed to want to break. You're supposed to want to hit something right now because you're, it, it, that's how this is what this is. But I'm telling you, you'll be in the exact same place as we were before. But if, mm-hmm. if, if you want to really scare people, if you want to really get back at this, this, unjust system, you really want to do something, and you follow the the, the the proven method that has worked with all these other countries. Look at what the Japanese did when they put them in internment camps there in Pearl Harbor. What did they do? They didn't go, they didn't sing we shall overcome and hold their hands in the air and carry on. You know what they did? They got quiet, and they went to work. You think about every culture that comes here, they get quiet, and they go to work. Real gangsters move in silence. It's time for us to be quiet and get to work. Wow. You know, I, 
I have to, this is why I love and why me and not only do we share the same birthday, but I just love him to pieces. You know, I will right. say this. <laughs> Big shout out. Um, you know, I have two kids, um, 25, and my son will be 21 on Monday. And the stuff that comes out of his mouth, like sometimes, like I cannot tell you, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I'm so public it doesn't even matter, how many times he has told me he doesn't think he's going to make it to 25. And I'm like, where do you get this from? Like wh- you have a responsible mama, responsible father. We go to work every day. We go to church. We do all of these things. Like where does this come from? But it's mm. embedded in the psyche of the community. I have a caller. I'm calling from 281. Let me just who this is um i think they hung up they probably were hold wait hold on caller from 281-967 are you um listening or do you have a comment hello yeah caller from 281-967 did you you're on the air with cy brown the cy brown morning show do you have a question or a comment or are you just listening hey cy hey, brown this is quincy taylor quincy what's going on thank you for calling hey. in what are your Absolutely. thoughts do you have something to say or just you're just listening well, my my yeah, I have something to say. I just I just really feel like um, it's a shame that that we would destroy, you know, the uh, property. You know, we always like like uh, NY said, you know, we get angry, and then we want to sin. You know, we got to learn how to take that anger and use it in a positive direction. And um, now that businesses are destroyed, we think we got victory. Well. Now there's families who don't have jobs. Now there's mm. families who there's families who can't provide for their families. And so now we've caused even more harm rather than gaining a victory. This is the same thing we saw in, with the riots. I'll never forget the episode of A Different World, you know, with the Rodney King verdict. They went and trashed everything. I mean, this is... This is what I'm saying, and I got in trouble on Facebook because I put, you know, dear Christians, what are we supposed to pray for now? Like, I'm at the point, and I'm very angry. Um, This is very personal because it could have been my kid. But at some point, with with the intellect of of the black people in this country, when when is that paradigm, as NY said, going to change? At what point do we sit down, master the minds, and say, now is the time to pivot? How many more people have to die? How many more black kids do we have to see on TV? Just right here in Brooklyn, right here in Brooklyn, in the pink houses, in the Bronx, the guy's coming down the steps with his girlfriend. Some rookie cop shot and killed him. And Blasio, who I actually like as a mayor, says this was a tragic accident. What? Another black kid dead in the stairway of his own building. So what do we say to that? Oh, you shouldn't live in the projects? Everybody in this area knows the pink houses. Everybody. But that's not the point. This young rookie cop 18 months on a job, they said he had a flashlight in one hand, a gun in another, shot and killed the kid in the chest. He was with his girlfriend because the elevator was taking too long, so they decided to take the stairs. Mm. Like, I, I'm, I'm right now, I'm so fuming. Like, I, I definitely am have to jump off the air and go pray and, like, sit there with my legs crossed and chant or something because, like, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say at this point. Like, well, I'm at a loss. But that's the point, is that there's nothing to say. You know, again, Mike Brown just passes away. I mean, gets murdered, excuse me, and right on the heels of that, there's three or four people got got murdered. 
And now yeah. here it is during the, the, the actual uh, uh, verdict, who people get, who young men get, uh, the, little, the little boy got shot with the BB gun or something like that. Yeah, um, I heard yeah, about that in too. Cleveland. Yeah. So, you, you know, now you're going to get people, and this is another thing that's important, and I hope the people that are listening, and even us on the radio here that are participating, you keep this in mind because you're going to have to be defenders against this. There are going to be people that are going to talk about this is a blood ritual, and this is, oh, this is a blood ritual with a parent, and, you know. And what happens is that there's, a, there's a level of useless rhetoric that will be shared in the community, and it will sound good when you're hurt. Because when you're hurt, a lot of stuff sounds good. You know, that's why women get abused and used by men who take advantage of the fact that they've been hurt, you know, and this is what, you know, uh, you know, so these are things that happen. We can't allow people to abuse us uh, and uh, distract us or point us in fruitless directions because we're hurt right now. What has happened is a result of institutionalized racism. It's about people on top trying to stay on top. It's as yeah. simple as that. It doesn't have to get that deep. You don't have to get into oh, it's a globalist war right now. It's Buck moment. Now, come on, fam, because that got me into this comic book thing. I can't, it's too big for me. I can't deal with that. But I'm trying what did to you the, say? The NY, what did you, NYU you should make a statement. What is it about absolute power, something absolute? What is that? You used to always yeah, say absolute, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, absolute power corrupts absolutely. You know, when you have that kind of power to do what you want, you're going to do, you know, there's a point where power, you, you find yourself bored in the uh, clothing of power. It's like, oh, I'm so powerful, I'm bored. Well, you start getting into, uh, you know, debauchery and filth and garbage because what else is there to do? You understand? You've done it all in your mind. You've done everything. You, you're at the top of the game. You can control it. You can make people do what you want. If you tell them to jump, they're going to jump. So it starts becoming a game to manipulate. But see, you know, there is also that same thing with people, even in our communities, they're going to run around and start, you know, spewing and spouting a bunch of rhetoric that is not applicable. See, everything that has to come out of our mouths now, if anything at all, should be practically applicable rhetoric. If you can't Mm. apply it, then you shouldn't even talk about it. If you can't Mm. give a physical manifestation of what it is that you're talking about right now, you should just shut up because you're (laughs) only going to get in the way. You know what I'm saying? And, and and maybe that's a good thing, though, because some of us really do just need to be quiet, you know, and just so, think. But can, I, can I interject? I, I hate, I never want to interrupt, but I have to say something to that point, and this is open to anybody. I have so many callers. I hope I'm not missing anybody. But um, what about the talking heads? And I say this in the most respectful way. I received um, an email yesterday that um, Pastor Jamal Bryant of Empowerment Temple is doing this hands up, don't shop or something like this. Um, You know we have the Al Sharptons out there and a host of other stately men of color, pastors, bishops, people who in theory are leading the country, the black community. Where are they where are the fraternities? What happens after the cameras go away? What well, happens when Jamal, just... and I'm only calling out Jamal Bryant, and I'm not calling him out in a bad way, just calling out because I got an email yesterday that he's doing all these press conferences and that he's doing this hands up, don't shop for Black Friday and all this other stuff. So that's why he's at the forefront of my brain right now. But what happens when the cameras go away, Jamal Bryant goes back to preach, or any other pastor in this country, Reverend Al Sharpton, you know, he's got a great platform on MSNBC. What happens when those cameras go away 
and this is still going down. The same thing that's been going on for the longest, and that's one of our things. Like, like, and all just said, you know, that was great. Some people just need to shut their mouth and sit back because mm-hmm. when the cameras do go away, what we have is young brothers and sisters out here saying, you know what, I knew they wasn't nothing about, about they was only about talk. They wasn't really here to help us. That's why. But you had so many of us out here doing stuff. We ain't doing it to get recognized. And it's so crazy that that verdict came in on when in Newark last night at the Newark City Plex, Street Doctor just made history, the first black guy alive to pack three movie theaters free for his documentary, The Fingerprint. As soon as wow. that's over, what happened? We get this verdict. See, and that's why when people came out to support Street last night, I said, you know what, we can come together. We And that was a free thing. What we have to do is stop looking at the money. We're chasing money so hard, it's separating us. This is a psychological problem we have to deal with. So the Jamal Bryans, the Al Sharptons, let them do what they do. We ain't even got to talk about them. Let them do it. But the real going to recognize real, always. So we well, don't got to comment on that. Well, say well, just I, like I, I said. I thought it quick that was that's you, Quincy. Hold on one second. I thought it was just important to mention because mm-hmm. I I I stopped watching the news because I'm just so sick of seeing the same people talk, 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 talk. But I had to mention it because this is what happens. The black leaders go up, they rabble rouse, get on the bullhorn, get on the megaphone, and then what mm-hmm. happens when when the cameras die down? Do they wait for the next death and then resurface? Like yep. you know, I have two kids. Two sons that I have busted my butt to make sure. I have two rules in my house, no kids and no court cases. Anything else I can deal with, and I've dodged a couple bullets on both of those fronts. Mm-hmm. No kids and no court cases, and I've told my sons anything else we can deal with because once you get locked, once you get locked into either one of those situations, it changes the trajectory and, and the direction of for the rest of your life. But what happens to the parent, the, the, the young black men that don't have that? Quincy, what were you getting ready to say? I was going to just uh, say what I spoke with you on Facebook about was the fact that, you know, we we are the, they market towards the black community. Almost every company markets towards us. Yep. And, we and we spend all our money on yep. their stuff. And yep. then we sit back and go, well, what I'm going to do? The day that the black community begins to unite, build our own Fortune 500 companies, our own bank, Amen. our own schools, so we can educate our own Jesus. children, yep. is the day that we will have dominion and we will have control. We're waiting for money. We're waiting for the transfer of wealth. All the people say it's already here. We have to make it happen. Faith without works is dead, not just on our visions, but even on building schools and having dominion. We know our children's education systems are bad. Okay, so let's develop our own education systems and our own schools so that our children can be educated the way that they need to be. We need to step up. We need to start stepping up, coming together, and making it happen. I'm going to tell you this, though. That's a very hard hard thing to do. Um, I worked for KRS-One for years, and as his personal assistant, obviously, you know, like we were – I was in his house. My kids played with his kids, and he didn't send his children to school when they were little. 
And so when we started working together and started traveling, I pulled my children out of school and we tried homeschooling the children. Well, it worked better for him because his children had never been in school. It was really difficult for me because my children had already had a school experience and they were like, this is whack. I hate this. And it was just very stressful. So I put them back in school. I remember in high school, I told one of my sons, you don't have, you know, I haven't seen you read a book. I don't see you with book reports. So I started making them read books and book reports. And I'll never forget. My son was like, well, my teacher don't care. I don't know why you do. And let's be clear. It's not that my children are that sassy or disrespectful, but this is, this is the attitude that's being seeped into our communities that my son is asking me why I'm making him do a book report and his own teacher doesn't care. So, I mean, educating them, yes, but as a parent, I'm a reader. Y'all know I've written so many books. It's a a fight and a struggle every day. We're down to the last minute of the show, so I'm going to have to wind it down. I have to thank NY Oil for calling in, a friend to the show, even when we were doing politics remix, go on YouTube, you'll see videos that NY Oil and I did um, at the Sheraton in 2008. Remember that, NY? That's right. That's <laughs> um, right. With a flip video camera back in 2008 before the Cyber Morning Show even started. So I, I can't thank you enough. Mr. Hassan Kirby, his book is I'm More Than a State Number powerful, powerful brother, please book him to speak. Please book him to speak. Please book him to speak. Powerful, amazing speaker. Quincy, my friend on Facebook, thank you. And to all the callers who are unable to call in, I thank you anyway because I see so many lines lit up. I just couldn't get to everybody. But I do want to say this. When I get off the line today, I'm getting ready to turn off my phone, sit down, close my eyes, get a cup of tea, and marinate because I'm so angry. I have to figure out a better way to channel my anger um, because I'm pissed, and I just have to figure out a way to let this subside. But I just want to say um, thank you all for listening, and remember, we shall pass through this world but once. Any good that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for rocking it out with me for so many years. God bless you all, and I'll see you tomorrow at 7 a.m. Have a good day. Peace.